Hello and welcome to your favorite podcast, Innovation on Me. Today's topic is something that has been at the heart of social and political discord for over 70 years. It was at the center of one of HBO's most successful shows this past year, and it's been one of the biggest news stories in our great state of South Carolina for the past decade and a half. By some, it's seen as a life-ending threat, and others as a life-saving solution. But before we bring in Travis Knight to talk about nuclear energy, let's have a quick word from this podcast's presenting sponsor, the University of South Carolina College of Engineering and Computing, in their nuclear engineering program. Led by Dr. Knight, this program is the only graduate nuclear engineering program in the state of South Carolina and the 25th ranked nuclear engineering program in the country. With its one-of-a-kind nuclear drying facility and $8 million Energy Frontier Research Center, the program provides students unique, hands-on experiences that prepare them for stable, high-paying futures in the field of nuclear energy. Visit the college's website today to learn more about the nuclear engineering program and the many other unique undergraduate and graduate programs that the University of South Carolina College of Engineering and Computing has to offer. Now, that's enough from me. Let's jump right into it and get to today's guest, Travis Knight. Well, Travis, thanks for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Sure. Glad to be here. So I thought I'd start off by setting the scene. You've been at a lot of really interesting cruxes, not just in nuclear history, but in world history. So I'll start by setting the scene. It's 1994. You just got your dream internship at the Argonne National Lab, and you're stepping into your truck to drive from Florida to Idaho. You put the key in the ignition and take it away. Yeah, that was, uh, uh, well, first of all, I guess on a personal note, that was that was a, that just getting out there was, was a dream for me because having lived in life mostly in Florida. I'd never been out of the state very much except for my co-op. I did a co-op in uh, Louisiana at a nuclear power plant there. But, uh, you know, the, the trek out there was 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 kind of a, what, for me at that point, a once in a lifetime opportunity to see, you know, to see the country. And um, so, um, yeah, I get out there and show up on day one, Monday, Monday morning. Um, I've rented an apartment, driven 2,500 miles and literally show up and they say, by the way, you can go home um, <clears throat> or uh, stay and do paperwork to close out the facility. Because in the process of driving out, this is 1994, um, and an order had been given by President Clinton to shut down the, the experimental breeder reactor 2, that EBR2, and the fuel cycle facility uh, that went along with it. Um, I mean, I, I usually am good at containing my my disappointment. Um, yeah, I'm quite reserved, I think, uh, uh, I was less reserved in, in, in that moment. What was your reaction? Um, you just drove who knows how many miles and you get there and they're like, nope, not happening. Yeah, I'm not given to colorful language if, if that's what you're wondering. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, probably was the closest I came in, in a, certainly a public setting. Um, but uh, no, I think for me, again, I, I, being an engineer, we tend to be very rational you know, I quickly evaluated the situation and I said, uh, you know, again, I'm from Florida. I've never seen mountains before. And here I am hour and a half from Yellowstone and maybe an hour and 15 minutes from the Grand Tetons. You know, a, a summer in, in summer in Idaho, mind you, this, I'm, and just to clarify, this was Argonne, Argonne National Lab West. 
which is now part of the Idaho National Laboratory. Um, so, um, <clears throat> yeah, I, I quickly assessed the situation and decided to stay. And it was probably the one of the best summers of my life, frankly. Um, certainly the, the least stressful, perhaps. Um, so instead of doing the, the you know, the, the deeper technical things that, that I had wanted, I had the hope of doing and going out there, and I, I was, it was suggested a project for me before coming out there. The opportunity that was given to me and other students, likewise, there's probably about a dozen of us, uh, and I think all but maybe two decided to stay, um, was to do this this kind of collect the paperwork, organize it in a way that if someone came to it later, they could find it. Because again, not everything was electronic as it is today. Um, it was really racks and racks and rooms of files. And um, so it was going through and making sure that the documentation was in order and everything. And so I got to see parts of the design and talk to the engineers because part of it was, you know, if something wasn't right, you go talk to the engineer that did the work, okay, or the scientist or whoever. So I got to talk to more people. I got to see more things, you know, in terms of the facility than I probably ever would have working on some little smaller piece of, of the pie, so to speak. Um, so I, I feel very, very, very fortunate, very blessed, you know, that, that I had that opportunity. And then that wasn't the only time you've been at a changing point in history. There was at the end of the Cold War, you're forced to flip your research from defense related space nuclear power to storing waste from the defense nuclear complex. And then years later, you're the program director of the state of South Carolina's only graduate nuclear engineering program as the state breaks ground on the first nuclear reactor in over 30 years, only to have that project fail. Uh, not only have you been directly affected by a lot of historical moments, you've just kind of been there. Was there ever a point through all of this where you thought, I might have chose the wrong field? I don't know about this one. Not really. I mean, it sounds strange, Rob Toos, perhaps, but but no, I, I I never really doubted my choice of of career or or the technology or um, and part of it really probably relates to again this this the personal interactions I had with the individuals um, that kind of were living through this you know the. the currents of the day, whatever they were, those relationships that were cultivated in the process and, and hearing, you know, the stories of, of the work that those individuals had done, um, you know, before me and, and concurrently uh, with, with the work that I was doing, um, really cemented in my mind that, that, that this is a good technology, <clears throat> it's a great technology, and that, uh, it, it sometimes requires more, just, just having the best technology is not always the winning strategy, right? I mean, um, you know, there, there, there are sometimes political dimensions, there are economic dimensions, and, you know, one can easily get caught up in, in the, the, you know, the, the things that are happening around you, um, irrespective of, of the technology. So you're right. I mean, I came on, um, at, you know, I graduated at the end of the Cold War. Um, with my, my bachelor's and master's or, or bachelor's degree, I guess. Um, and then um, had the opportunity, as you said, to continue in graduate school, um, space nuclear power, which prior to my work there was very much focused on, you know, multi-megawatts in space. 
uh, one application of which was a defensive strategy for um, uh, ballistic missile defense. That was, that was something that was very much uh, going on at the time. So I came on at the end of that. Um, um, this was President Reagan's kind of Star Wars initiative. And, and the work that we did at the university was, of course, was this is not classified work. This was you know, very basic science looking at reactors and technologies that, that could bring about multi-megawatt power in space. Um, so I feel very fortunate, again, very blessed to, to have worked with worked for really, uh, professors and individuals at the time, folks like Samim Mangai and Nils Diaz. So, um, you know, really high caliber people like that. Um, and um, that that's what really convinced me that, that, you know, the opportunities will be there sooner or later, or, or you know, um, hearken me back to words that my own dad had said. And keep in mind, my dad never went to college, got his GED when he signed up to go to Vietnam. <laughs> I mean, so he, he didn't know about university life and research and all these things that I've been very fortunate, very blessed to be a part of. But he said, there's always room for good people. So he understood that you work hard, some good opportunity will come. And so for me, it was, it was I needed to just stay the course, you know. When these changes are coming in the field, do you see them coming or do you kind of just walk into work one day and the nuclear field's changing and you have to figure out how to adapt? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's in hindsight, it's always, you know, a different, it's a different, um, mem our memories are not, you know, so always so clear, you know, in that respect. Um, you know, for, you mentioned, you know, the shutdown of the reactors here in, in South Carolina, the, the, building the, the two new reactors, the BC Summer 2 and 3. Um, I mean, I think we all were aware of that there were some issues related to that because, um, but it did come as a surprise, I guess. it was I was caught off guard, I guess, by that. Uh, I was actually coming back from vacation. It was July, the time frame. I was in, in, actually in the minivan with the family driving back to South Carolina. I forget where we we're coming from, but um, when, when I heard the announcement and, and, and it was, again, you get, you get that kind of sinking feeling in your stomach, you know, um, cause I, I knew the implication of it. I mean, um, you know, that, that, that would, you know, would mean, you know, for some folks, you know, job losses and uh, I knew the economics implications of it, <clears throat> but, um, no, I think, um, I mean, it, 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 there, there was some understanding that, that, you know, there were some delays in, in the construction, and um, and I understood some reasons why that was the case. Um, but I think, um, I, I again, I never, never give up hope. I, I certainly believe in the technology. I know that it's not a problem with the technology. It's sometimes, you know, the execution is, is sometimes um, can be more difficult. Um, but the fact that we're still building two and across the river in in in, in Georgia, that's 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 a, certainly a bright spot. Um, we're building them in China, right? China actually finished four of the same design. So I think that's proof that, that the technology is good. Um, just, I mean, that, that, again, there can be, there are larger exter there are external circumstances, right, that, that can come into play in these, these situations. You know, part of the, the issue there is, is, you know, there was a projection at one time that we were going to need much more electricity. And 
the downturn in the economy, right, 2008, mm-hmm. you know, really just pushed those projections out, you know, 10 plus 20 years. Um, so that's one thing. And if I could harken back even further, if you permit me, you know, people always talk about, you know, the, the shutdown of reactors and, and, and canceling reactors in the 70s and even early 80s, I guess. Um, and a lot of folks think it had to do with Three Mile Island, which for anyone listening that doesn't know what Three Mile Island was, there was there was, a, there was an accident in Three Mile Island. No one was harmed, certainly. Um, economic problem, but... Um, it was really more to do, again, with the, the, the economics of the time. Uh, if you remember the 70s, there were these, you know, huge economic, you know, problems, you know, double-digit inflation and, um, you know, the oil embargoes and things that really just upset the economy. And so um, that demand, again, that was perceived to be there, you know, a decade or more earlier, it's not there. Uh, so, you know, Purse strings, which is Wall Street, right? Looked at the situation and said, you know, there's too much in the pipeline. You know, we're not going to get our money back. <laughs> so they were canceled. So it really had less to do about the even the public perception of safety, which again, if you look at Three Mile Island, a success story. Um, even uh, you know, Fukushima, the worst possible disaster where bad decisions were made. Um, you know, again. You know, no loss of life related to radiation, you know, uh, uh, again, economic problem and something that we can certainly put our hands around, uh, arms around, but uh, and understand. But um, again, the technology has proven itself robust. But in many, many situations, in almost every situation, it, it really comes down to, you know, a decision that was made that was an error. OK, and humans aren't perfect. And that's the one thing I've learned. Um, and it's easy to judge things in hindsight. Uh, it's easy to, to look back and say, well, we should have known that. We should have done this. Um, but you, you really just have to make the best decision you can at the right time. And, and, and uh... So you talked about the sinking feeling you had when you heard that BC Summer was closing. And chances of this happening are slim. But last night I was in an Uber and my Uber driver was telling me how he got laid off in that. He went in on Friday. They told him, don't come in Monday. On Monday, he got the call from his boss, and he said, go to unemployment office. Um, we talk about how important nuclear energy is in the state of South Carolina, but what do you think it takes for someone who was laid off, who got that affected by it, to change their mind to believe that nuclear is a solution going forward? Right. So I, I guess, you know, the, I think it was the second President Bush that said, you know, you know, when you're on, when it comes to being unemployed, if you're the one that's unemployed, you're, you're you know, it, it's it's a big deal to you. And we could talk about statistics, you know, in the country or, you know, and unemployment rates and these things. But, but when it comes to you personally, you know, <laughs> it's a different story. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I understand that someone might have a jaundiced view, uh, uh, you know, having been laid off and being associated with, with, with say, this plant. The, the, the real unfortunate side of that is, is that there was there may not have been another project to move on to. That That's what is so unfortunate fortunate in this country is that, you know, you need to have a, a continuous development of plants and technology, because when you have these kind of disruptions and in, 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 you know, the folks that have trained and, and learned and um, really developed the tools, the, the you know, the, the, the computer codes, the, you know, the, 
even just the details of how you move things around on the site, you know, the, the, the work site, you know, that kind of information, if it doesn't get passed along, um, then there's a, there's a, a learning curve again uh, down the road. Uh, we want to do it in the future. So um, this is where, again, a, a, a national interest should take over uh, and say that this is a strategic interest for the United States to remain um, a leader in the technology. And part of that means having some continuity. I mean, if you look at the Chinese, you know, this is what they do. They, they you know, they got a plan. They have a, it sounds strange, but they have a plan. <laughs> and, and sometimes in, in the U.S., we, you know, we don't, we don't always have a plan, or it seems like we don't have a plan. Um, or the plan changes. Maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's it. But the plan changes too, too often and too radically. Um, so that's to me the real tragedy. Um, you know, individuals. Yeah, again, back to what my dad said, there's always room for good people. I mean, good people can go and do something else if they have to for a time. Um, and I feel I've had to make a number of adjustments in my career, as, as some of which we've mentioned. Um, but that's the real tragedy is there isn't this, as I see it, is a bigger plan or a better plan you know, to, to sustain um, this technology. Because I think we see it in other sectors, but perhaps not in nuclear, for, again, for a variety of reasons. But Back to your question, I guess I didn't directly answer your question. Um, for, for that individual, again, I, I would say that, um, you know, it's not the technology. Again, this could have been a, a, a chemical plant. It could have been a coal plant. It could have been any other plant. Um, it doesn't besmirch the technology, okay? Um, you know, again, whatever the shortcoming was that led to this, um, we know the technology is sound and secure. It's, it's been built in China, as I said. We're still near to completing the two reactors in Georgia. Um, that, that to me, uh, says a lot. Um, this, is the, this is an evolved technology. This is something that has taken all the, the, the lessons learned over the last 40 years and put that into this design. And I really believe in this design and, and uh, that it is... I mean, there are other designs too. I mean, it's not the only one, but but this one I really believe in because it it you know has so many great features. Uh, it's a simplified design. It's it's a passively safe design. Uh, it, it has the economy of scale. We talk about small modular reactors now. There's a lot of talk about small modular reactors, and I absolutely believe in small modular reactors. Um, they will have their place, and but it but um, there are places for small modular reactors, and there are places for big reactors. And in America, where we have a, a reasonably developed grid, right, uh, electricity grid, um, large reactors do well. <laughs> that's just a matter of fact, right? Economy of scale, um, and they've proven that. So, you know, the plant, the, the nearly hundred plants that we have operating in the country, make money hand over fist because they've been paid for. For one thing, the economic costs, uh, the, the, the the construction costs, been paid for. Again, you got all these, you know, hundreds. Each plant has hundreds of good, well-paying jobs. These are well-run facilities. You know, I mean, you, you you wouldn't do it, but you could probably eat off the floor in 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 the in the in the you know in the plant. Um, it's just well-run. Very. I can't speak well enough of the people that run these plants. I mean, these these are people that are top-notch in their field. Um, they pay a little more. That's why you can get the better employees, right? Um, 
you know, they come to work and they, and they do their job and um, they live in the community. I think that says a lot, right? I mean, if you doubted the technology or you felt it was somehow unsafe or not, you know, um, well run, you know, you're, you're, you're living within a few miles of the plant, certainly, and your kids are, you know, are going to school there. So I think this speaks greatly uh, to, to, to the technology and to the people that run it. And I, I can't say good enough, say, I can't say enough good things about, about that. Um, you know, and I think that's a story that's not often told. So you mentioned the different sizes of reactors, the different types of reactors. What do you think the future of nuclear energy looks like here in America? Okay, I'm going to go against uh, my my own uh, um, personal <laughs> interest here, uh, being a faculty member conducting you know research and development. But um, I'll say this, and and, uh, and I think I can say it with with great confidence: we're going to have the technology that we currently have for a long time. Uh, we're, we're going to make it better, and we're going to make it. Um, more economical, but I think the, the fleet that we have has demonstrated a great benefit environmentally in terms of green, avoided greenhouse gas emissions, um, in terms of avoided uh, pollution. Um, they have demonstrated themselves to be good neighbors. That is, you know, again, as I said, the, the good, hundreds of good paying jobs per plant. That's a direct, directly, not to say that all the indirect, you know, jobs associated with it. Um, this this technology has been evolved over the years. Um, it's been tested again, even where you have had you know accidents. It's nowhere near the the doomsday scenarios that that, that have been portrayed. Um, it's done well. It's done well. So, I think we're going to have this technology, as it is and, and evolved you know, for a long, long time. We have demonstrated, again, uh, the fast track technology, for example, that I talked about, we talked about in the beginning, uh, EBR2, uh, that I, with my side of my internship. Um, those um, technologies have been demonstrated. We understand the physics. Um, we haven't built a lot of them, so the economics aren't there. If, again, if there is a decision made that, that you know, greenhouse gas reduction is important, and we need a fleet that can can take fuel, use fuel and spent fuel and recycle it and close the fuel cycle and um, do all the things that we know we can do. Physics tell us this, you know, right? We, we know the, the chemical processes, the physics, you know, we know, you know the, the design aspects of it. Doing it on a large enough scale, right, and, and having a national will to do it and incentivizing it economically, um, maybe like we do solar and wind, right? You know, how many billions of dollars every year going to subsidies for solar and wind? Does it make sense? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, th those are smaller increments, right? You can take off a, a smaller bites at those. I don't think it makes the same sense as it does for uh, you know, the technologies you're trying to launch, right? I mean, we, we manufacture solar cells. You know, we can manufacture windmills. Nuclear plants, plants uh, still are rather uh, stick built, as they say. Um, and we need to find ways to better modularize that. And that's part of what small modular reactors do. And part of what the, the VC summer project was about was designing a, you know, implementing modular design for the reactor. Uh, so, so keeping that going and, and seeing it to fruition 
and then applying it to new technologies like fast reactors that can recycle spent fuel. Um, it's These are things that we all know can be done. There's a lot of engineering work to be done. There's still R&D aspects of it to make it uh, a reality and make it um, faster, better, and cheaper. So I, I have a role in this, and my students have a role in I was about to it. ask, where's your role in this? If yeah. it's staying the same, where does your research fit into all this? Okay, so yeah, so I didn't mean to... to to work myself out of a job in all this uh, <laughs> conversation, but um, uh, no, we, we, we you know, uh, improvements in fuel design, that this is something near and dear to my heart. Um, I've done a lot of work and again, going back to space reactor fuels, um, materials that, that, you know, are, are longer lasting, easier to manufacture, um, perform better at higher temperatures or longer life, whatever those may be. Uh, and, and then there, there, there are multiple, many, many different opportunities to, for, for improvements. Um, and, and that's what my students are doing. Uh, I'm very, very, I've had some very good students. Uh, They're now out and, and have graduated and gone on to do, doing great things. And, and I think many people do recognize it for what it is. Their students are our product. And those students are, are, are very important to that, you know, in continuing the next generation. Um, and I've said before, you know, even people that don't believe in, in maybe the te technology um, as it is or, or what it could be even, um, we need a seat at the table. We need scientists, engineers that are going to, you know, be able to speak to what's going on in other countries, you know, going on there for commercial reasons or for, you know, less commercial reasons, maybe nefarious reasons, <laughs> right? Uh, and the only way we do that is by continuing to invest in the technology, continuing to invest in education, continuing to invest in, in R&D. Um, and to do that, we have to build something because you only learn. I mean, we can design things with ever greater um, um, specificity and, and control and, and with ever greater fidelity. But until we build something and, and, and challenge our workers, our students, and make it real to them. Um, that, that's the way we encourage the next generation. You know, if, if we're just doing this on paper, um, to me, that's not going to be very satisfying for that next generation of students, you know, and, and future engineers and scientists. So um, we, we've got to, we have to, do have to use our knowledge, our hard-won knowledge, our hard, our, our blood, sweat, and tears, right, to, to, to use this to, you know, to mitigate, again, you know, greenhouse gas emissions, you know, pollution, um, you know, security of supply, stability of supply, um, sustainability. You know, these are, these are things that we have to value as a society and, and not let our, our emotions, you know, drive our, or, or what we, what we think someone else thinks about nuclear. Cause it, if you talk to folks, uh, and I do talk to a lot of people, you know, at, at my neighbors at church, you know, different, Baseball games, right? My, my kids go to. You know, um, they, everyone is in favor. That I talk to by and large is in favor of nuclear power, but they think that their neighbor or someone in the media has told them, you know, that that, that it's not safe or it's not economical. Or, um, but by and large, I think folks are very accepting of it and 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 not accepting of it. Believe, but they believe when surveyed, they believe. That it is the future. Okay, so that to me speaks volumes. What do you say when they say, "Oh, but Travis, the news—the news headline I read yesterday—it said it was bad." What do you say to them in that moment? 
Is there anything you can say? Well, I mean, this this often comes up, and I say that you know, um, this is the United States of America, and for all of our, you know, many warts, um, this is the best place on earth. We have the best educators. We have the best scientists. We have the best regulators, and are there failings? We're human. There are failings in all of these. But when I say we have the best, we really do have the best. Um, that's why people come here to be educated. Why they come here to, in some cases, to steal our technology. <laughs> I mean, that this is certainly much to talk talked about. You know, in, in sometimes. Um, so there's a reason they come here for this. Uh, we stop that. The, the stealing part we have to stop. But but um, uh, there's a reason that. The world looks to our industry, looks to our our regulators for leadership, our, our our institutions for leadership. So we're protected by you know regulators at the state level, the national level. Um, we have the gold standard in terms of regulators and regulations. So um, and we live in an open society, right? There's opportunity for community engagement. Um, Every around every plant, every facility, every DOE site, you know, you have community organizations that are engaged in outreach and in making that connection so that there is transparency and and where there may not be enough, there are folks that are engaged to, to make that 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 you know the reality. But but we have to trust our regulators too. I mean, again, we have the gold standard, you know, whether it's just at the state level or at the national level. I mean, I I I, 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 so my students have gone to work at the NRC, actually quite a number, come to think of it. Uh, uh, so the Nuclear Regulatory Commission is what I mean. Um, so, uh, and the rest of the world looks to us for leadership, and I think that speaks volumes to me. And with the rest of the world looking to us for leadership, right now, maybe you're the leader, but in 20 years, your students are the leaders. Mm -hmm. What do you try to, is there one thing you try to instill in your students about the importance of what they're stepping into. Um, okay, so I I, I I give them I preach to them much in the way I, I may I may sound like a preacher. Uh, I'm I'm the, the grandson of a of a, a Baptist minister, and uh, so <laughs> I, I, you know so I may sound like a, a preacher, but uh, um, in some ways I am. I, I guess I am. I, I believe something I, I believe in very strongly, and, and I'm not ashamed of saying that I'm an advocate. I, I am an advocate. Or nuclear power. I'm not a lobbyist. I'm not a. I'm not a salesman. I'm not selling anything. I don't have. I mean, downturns notwithstanding. I mean, our program is is very strong. Um, I think because you know our, our our folks can do a variety of things. You know, whether it's in in the commercial sector, in the DOE world, or education, or DOD, whatever it is. There's opportunities. So to your question, what what do I try to instill in my students? Um, beyond the very technical aspects for all the reasons that I believe in nuclear power and why I know in my heart that it, that it is one of the solutions that we need, uh, whether it's in, 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 in power generation and space exploration and medicine and um, you know, all the other aspects where nuclear energy plays a role and nuclear technology plays a role. Um, I, I, I really try to instill in them a sense of humility, number one. Uh, that's, that's one thing I shouldn't say, it's number one. It's, it's a aspect that I try to, to instill in them that 
because again, where there have been failures, there are usually failures of decision making. Let's, let's be honest. Uh, it's not it's not not that a technical solution didn't exist, or that, that, that we knew the technical solution is we made a bad decision usually in in, in the process. And, and again, we're human, uh, so communicating, communicating. I mean, but you know, if you think about you know the, the shuttle disaster, you know, thirty years ago, um, you know. We knew the problem. We just didn't listen and talk talk enough, maybe about it. You know, uh, management didn't listen. <laughs> okay, uh, you know that's one example. But um, I, I think one should always question oneself, and so I really try to instill that that sense of humility, and that we need to um, be talking to each other. You know, and, and we don't all have the answer, and so we got to go work with someone else to you know to solve that problem. So the word I use among my, my group is, is esprit de corps, right? We, we need to come together as a, as a group and, and solve these problems. We're not, we're not, we, you're not going to do it as an island, right? Uh, as a lone individual. Um, and I know that's, that's the image some people have of an engineer sitting at a desk toiling away with a, you know, a calculator and, and, and uh, not really um, engaging, you know, um, or being a very uh, engaging person, but, the truth is, is that's quite the opposite is the case. The very talented people that I know in the nuclear industry are very interactive and engaging and maybe not charismatic. Maybe that may not be the right word to use, but, <laughs> but uh, um, no, I think, uh, again, we tend to attract some, some very talented people into the field. And part of that is the pay is better, to be honest, but <laughs> uh, I'm sure that's part of it. But um, no, I think we're... Folks are attractive for the right reasons because, again, they believe. Great. Well, before we wrap this thing up, is there anything else you want to add before we go? No, I, I appreciate the opportunity to, well, I appreciate the opportunity to, to talk to you about something I genuinely believe in. Uh, and and I, and I think uh, I, I'm not Pollyanna. I know the, 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 the warts and, and the mistakes and that, that, that have been made and can be made and, and hopefully will be made less in the future. Um, but we only do that by continuing to, to push forward and to continuing to, um, you know, advance and, and stay engaged. Uh, I think, again, I think it would be a real travesty if we uh, turn our back on this technology because it, I think it's so important to our, our quality of life, our way of life, um, our, our, you know, sustaining our, our level of uh, quality of life. Um, we want to be able to do that, I think, through... Um, robust, dispatchable, baseload power that is nuclear. I mean, again, we need that diversity of supply. We're not going to get it all from wind and solar. It just isn't possible, um, no matter what other folks say. Um, but again, we need a seat at the table. Uh, it's so important to the national security, to you know, on a global stage, We our presence needs to be felt. So, um, that, 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 that there, there's a there's a great many dimensions to that, that that I think not everyone appreciates. So I appreciate the opportunity to talk about it. Great. Well, thanks for coming on. And thanks to all our listeners. I really appreciate all of you tuning in. Um, today is our ninth episode. And with that, I kind of want to hear from you guys. Um, what are your thoughts on how these episodes have gone? What have you liked? What haven't you liked? I want to hear it all. Um, so email any and all thoughts to me at adanaher at mailbox.sc.edu. Again, that's 
Danaher, D-A-N-A-H-E-R, at mailbox.sc.edu. I'd love to hear y'all's thoughts. Again, thank you for tuning in and giving Innovation on Main a listen. Until next time.